So, welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing the mid-season finale episode of Star Trek Discovery, Into the Forest I Go. And before we jump right in, there's just a couple of quick announcements. So, we mentioned last week that I was a guest host on an episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where they were discussing Star Trek Wrath of Khan, and that has been released this week, so everyone should go check it out and listen to more talk about Star Trek. And then the only other announcement, really, is that this episode is going to be the last of the regular show for this season because of the mid-season break, but we will be recording some other episodes along the way. So if you've got ideas for what you want to hear us talk about, then send us a a tweet or an email. Or if you're interested in being a guest and want to be on the show talking about Star Trek, then let us know. Yay. That's all I got. That's okay. Initial reactions to this week's episode? Um, Initial reactions. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a more specific reaction than that. I really liked it also, and I'm glad that this is where they decided to do the break and not the previous episode. I think this worked much better. Yes, I agree. I I would have been really angry if they had done a cliffhanger break. And this one kind of has a bit of a cliffhanger. Like, I'm I'm more interested now in what will happen after the break than I was last time. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be a big plot change. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like they're on the brink of a battle cliffhanger, right? Like, it's just, this has been a game changer, and oh my god, oh my god, now we have to figure out what's going on, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So they made good choices there. Yes. So, shall we jump into all of the meat of the show? Yes, we shall. I feel like we usually do this better. You feel like usually we do this better? Yes. I just, I felt like last time we had more of a smooth transition, but that was because we talked about the meaning of the title, because it was in a different language. And they are trying to do more with the titles in this Star Trek show, in general. But this one, Into the Forest, I go just, like, they bring up that in Stamets talking about whatever's going on with him, so... Mm-hmm. It's like a a reference to his micro jumps and his connection with the mycelial network, I guess. We'll probably find out way more, you know, in January. And yeah. then we'll get to go back to it and reflect on it. And uh, it'll have even more meaning. We'll be like, oh, okay, I get it now. So you think the title was about Smiths? Was there a line about it? Right at the end, he when he's having his one of his sort of freakouts, he has a line about there being a forest and they go into the clearings and something like that. Oh, I missed that entirely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, could it be about more in this episode? We usually like into the forest just means into into danger. Really? Or Into the Unknown? Into the Unknown, for sure. I can see that. And I can see that being, you know, a good reference for what's going on with infiltrating the Klingon ship and what they're trying to do with figuring out the cloaking device and all of that. Lorca has some pretty good speeches this episode. Lorca was really good this episode. This is one of the I Like Lorca episodes. Yeah, oh, just wait till we talk about it more. I might change your mind. Just saying. Oh. All right, all right, all right. What plot line do you want to start with? Well, let's start with the plot line that wasn't really there, mm-hmm. where we both hoped and thought they would go, which was the planet of Pavel. Yeah, they did just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had thought that there was going to be, like, an interesting third party interacting with everything. Mm-hmm. And... It was just like, nope, 
No, we're just, they're just now the thing that they have to protect. They needed a thing for the Discovery to have to protect urgently, mm-hmm. and that was Pavo. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I am too, just because it felt like they didn't, they didn't really wrap it up in the previous episode, so it just, it just feels like they left something hanging there. Yeah, and, like, we felt that the Pavians' motivations may have been a little unclear, and I just wanted a little bit more interaction with them. But, no, this episode, they were just sort of this planet. I can see from a practical standpoint why they did it, because the special effects for the planet and everything must have been pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to spend their FX budget on this episode with entirely different things. So you can't have everything. Yeah. And we might come back to it next season or next half. That's true. Or whatever. Yeah. They might come back there. But yeah, so this, instead of seeing more Pavo, we saw a lot of things that would be considered a classic Trek episode. I always do enjoy a good space battle. And there was a good space battle. Mm-hmm. And there was a sciency problem mm-hmm. that they had to overcome with extraordinary feats of teamwork and technobabble essentially yes and i liked i liked that in amongst all of the i don't know how to describe like they gave everything good stakes like it wasn't just technobabble yes. and like we have to figure out this problem it was we have to figure out this problem but the solution might kill this dude, but if we don't, this might happen. Like, everything had good stakes in this episode, I felt. Yes, for sure. And then, like, they'd been ordered to come back to the starbase. Mm-hmm. And they did the very, very cheeky, very Kirk-esque move of, you know, we're going to appear to follow orders, but, yeah, my navigator has, you know, an itch and he needs to... <laughs> To have a medical scan, and he can't actually jump the ship right now, so we're going to go the slow way so that we can basically come up with some way to not follow the orders. I enjoyed at the end of the episode when Lorca was talking to the Admiral dude, and how he mm-hmm. could just tell that the Admiral dude was pissed. <laughs> like, he was saying, yeah, you did the good thing, blah, blah, blah. You could just tell that he was like, oh, you asshole. Yes. It was great. Definitely. I feel like we have to just go through and talk, like, plot points. Okay. So, like, at the beginning... Mm-hmm. At the beginning, they get ordered behind Federation lines. Basically, they think that the Pavian mission has failed. They did not figure out a way to use it to detect the cloaking technology. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, they had a recap and then a teaser before the credits... Mm-hmm. I thought this was the best teaser for what we've seen so far. It was one scene, it was multiple people, and like shifting from the conversation with the Admiral to the conversation with various crew members, all on one set, and it felt very coherent and got so much information across. Like, in, in contrast to the like, the ones we've seen before where it's like oh a closed door meeting and now we're gonna go look at this person and they're gonna talk and then we're gonna jump over here and there's gonna be more talking here this one was just like concise well written like i said this is where they had the good sort of kirk feel to Lorca, where he was not gonna be following orders and Mm -hmm. the crew was complicit with it like stamets was going along with it Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really good i enjoyed that bit i do feel like Definitely crew-wise, this was probably my favorite of an episode. Like, just their whole interactions and everything that happened on the ship and everything. Right. Uh, this is right when they get into the proposed proposed solution. Mm-hmm. Burnham comes up with a way to use sensors to get the data that they need. And they're going to have to use the Discovery as bait. Right. And... And then Lorca sort of ups the ante by suggesting that instead of taking days playing a chase game with the Klingons, that they use the spore drive to do this succession of micro jumps. Mm-hmm. 
and he talks to Stamets about uh, having to do this. And he has his first of his really good speeches. Yeah, it was good. And honestly, I don't think of anything. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was part of the good stakes. It was It was part of the good stakes. Yeah, it was. For sure. Good, Like, he had good reasons for, the show had good reasons for Stamets willing to do this, even though we knew that he knew that it was going to be bad. Yes. And I think that it's consistent with Stamet's character, because, I mean, the very first time he used the spore drive, it was kind of similar high stakes, mm-hmm. and he chose to put himself in there. So, I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. And then they discussed the boarding party. Right, yeah. What did you think of the boarding party plan? I mean, the, I don't... I feel like you send two humans into a Klingon ship and they're going to get noticed right away because people would see them. Yeah. There's only so many places one can go on a ship, so I thought that was a little... You kind of had to suspend your disbelief, but it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. And then I also thought it was a little bit strange that he had no reservations about sending Tyler into a Klingon ship after he's been a prisoner of war. For months. Yeah. I get where you're coming from there, but my thought on that is Lorca's like he's 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 Lorca's little pet. You know? Lorca well, would send true. him. And also just from like a television writing point of view, they didn't have any other cast members to send that we would care about. You have a point. And they didn't send any red shirts to die. Yeah. And then what did you think about Lorca not wanting to send Burnham? Uh, that felt stupid. Like, that felt yeah. just there to have them have an argument. Because obviously, who else are you going to send? She's been there before. Yeah. I kind of saw, like, the logic part of me goes, well, yeah, she is technically still a prisoner on the ship. And sending her on the mission, like this type of mission, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have the ability to consent realistically but her whole thing on the ship is that way too yeah Lorca like, wouldn't care about that I know I was like you you basically press gang turn into the ship service and then now you're like no I'm not going to send you there and I'm not going to give you any good reason why as to my motives mm-hmm. so yeah I felt like we could have saved that screen time for something else yeah they acted it well like, it didn't feel unbelievable in the moment. It was mostly just afterwards thinking about it that I was like, that was dumb. And then we basically go to the engine room, and Tilly sort of slips up and mentions the side effects. Yeah. And I Good think we're going to come back to that. I think that was mostly a setup for future things, and they needed to give Tilly a little bit of something to do in this episode. Yeah, I could use more Tilly. Yeah. Although I did notice she had very cute hair this episode. She had two little buns at the back of her head. You always notice everyone's hair. I didn't notice this I at do. all. I do. I, I'm pleased that you notice these things, but I don't know where yeah. you how. My brain doesn't work that way, <laughs> I guess. And then they have Lorca's big war speech. It was the mm-hmm. next thing that happened. And... It was an amazing speech, and it was amazingly delivered, and I really loved that part. And then I thought it ended really badly with them detecting a cloaked ship approaching the planet. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Oh, because they shouldn't be able to detect a cloaked ship? <laughs> it, yeah, I was like, Huh. So you do kind of know where they are, at least, if you know that they're getting to the planet now. I was like, seriously? I, I didn't catch and, and that. And they, but... they even said that they detected the power signature of a cloaked ship. I'm 99% sure. I may have misheard, and they may have just said the power signature of a Klingon ship. In which case, that's fine. That was all me mishearing my sleep-deprived brain. Mm-hmm. But if, if they said cloaked ship, I just think that's like a little little plot hole that they should have sewn up. Yeah. I mean, it might genu- genuinely be that they 
can detect the power signatures. They just can't see the ships. But that's true. Like think- it could be a sort of thing like we like when submarines are going running quiet, right? Yeah. You you still might know that there's a submarine in this area because of currents and eddies and things like that, but finding it in a giant three-dimensional space is still a lot harder than just sort of getting a power range for this sector. Yeah, that's that's probably why I just just, you know, wash it over me or whatever. Yeah. Then Cole gets a little Klingon speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was less remarkable. I really think they've well, we can talk about that when when we get there. Okay. We should talk about Cole as a villain. Yeah, just some of the things that he said to Burnham completely undermines things that he has said before. Ah, oh, okay. So I don't okay. really know where they're going with him. But That's we can fair. talk about that when we get to it. Okay. Um, then they go over and they... So they the ship drops its cloak because they're going to engage the Discovery. Mm-hmm. And that's when Burnham and Tyler transport over. Mm-hmm. And they have the little things to mask their life signs. Has it? And... Uh, mm-hmm. Has it been talked about before that they can't fire and be cloaked at the same time? I don't know if it's been talked about in Discovery before, mm-hmm. but that is part of Star Trek's canon. Okay. I, it, it felt correct to me. I just wasn't sure if it had ever come up before. Yeah. No, it, it comes up in other Star Trek shows. I think the Romulan ships also can't fire while cloaked. Okay. And so they have these cool little life sign masking things. The sensors don't just, you know, go off when they be aboard. Mm-hmm. And then they go about hiding these sensor things. And this is another part where I have a little nitpick because they're going to do this really stealthy thing where they're going to try and hide these things on the Klingon ship. And Mm -hmm. they're like the size of footballs and they glow and beep. And And I was like... uh, They have the Starfleet logo on them. (laughs) I could see where they wouldn't have had time to take the Starfleet logo off, but I was like... Come on, you couldn't have pulled the speaker off? You couldn't have yeah. like put some tape over that glowing light on the top that of this thing that you're going to try and hide on a Klingon ship? I was just... I, I actually kind of laughed at that. I was like, these are the least stealthy sensor-hidden things that you could have yep. imagined. And even like the deployment of them, I'm like, they have a little tripod. If the ship gets... You know, bumped around, the thing's just going to fall over, and then you're going to hear this clattering metal thing rolling around the decks. Yep. I, I have this image in my head of, like, the props department. Like, one of two things happened. The props mm-hmm. department designed this thing, and the director is like, well, we don't have time for another design, so let's go. <laughs> or the props department designed something intelligent, and then the director said, no, we want something big, so it'll be on camera all nice. And either way, those two things are just stupid. Yes. Yes. So I I loved the idea of going over there and hiding these sensor things, but they could have made them, you know, they could have thrown a blanket over it at least, you know, like done something. Well, I feel like every other time in any sci-fi thing when they have to go and put sensors on something, it's a little disc that just like attaches to a wall or to a floor or whatever. And it just has a light little glow, and that's it. Done. Mm-hmm. This one even talked. <laughs> it even was like establishing uplink to discovery. Yep. And I was like, yo. And you're going to put this on the bridge without any Klingons noticing? Yep. Like, granted, at least the Klingon bridge is freaking huge. And I, I, but- I guess the whole point of the plan was like it was only going to take an hour, and after that, it doesn't matter. If right. they were discovered, or I just picked a random time there, but less than five days, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't going to take that long for the sensors to get established and start sending back yeah. data. So there's that, but it, it's they still just seem really stupid. Yes, yeah. And then the other really stupid part of that whole boarding scenario was when they get... So they, then they detect human life signs on board. And Burnham's like, everyone has to come back this time. You know, like, she's all scarred from her previous experience with Giorgio. And she's like, no, we got to bring everyone back. So then they go and divert to that, which is fine. And then they come to a door that's locked from the outside. And she Mm -hmm. starts trying to override it. And then Tyra's like, 
I spent seven months on a Klingon prison ship, remember? And I'm like, yes, and seven months inside a locked room qualifies you to do this override thing. How? Like, none of your escape in involved overcoming the locked door, you overpowered guards. How yeah. does your seven months in a Klingon prison ship make you very familiar with, like, the inside panel of their door locks? Like, come on. Like, I felt like they didn't need that part. Like, he could have just been like, let me try. I am trained in security. Maybe he just said the Klingon thing to get her to move. I don't know. She doesn't know how they escaped, necessarily. I, I, I don't know if she I don't Anyway, so that was my other part where I was like, yes, seven months on the inside of a prison cell does not qualify you to break out of, like, break locked doors. Anyway. I really liked the discovery that the Admiral was alive! Yay! Yay! Yes, that was nice. I'm glad she was alive. Yes. I was a little surprised to see Lorel alive, but also kind of happy. Yeah. Well, they couldn't kill Lorel. There's too much plot going on there. True. True. I really liked the part, too, where, like, Tyler's in his whole shock scenario, and Burnham looks over and totally just stuns Laurel. Yeah. To knock her out. Yep. I was like, yep. Again, do you think she would have killed her there? And they just had her stun her for, again, plot reasons? I think her instinct would have been to knock her out. Okay. Uh, she wasn't doing anything overtly harmful or threatening. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that she only killed Takuvma because she had just seen her captain die. Oh no, that's true. That's very true. I just... Also, her gun was probably already set for stun, so... Mm -hmm. And then this PTSD thing is a nice setup for Burnham to go solo onto the bridge to yep. set up the loudest stealth sensor ever. And then just stay on the bridge. <laughs> and then activate her communicator so she can he listen in to the Klingons talking. Yep. And... Again, they don't hear that because it's such a big bridge. Yeah, that was a and so bit stupid, I thought. They don't actually notice her until she starts taking shots at them. Yeah. It was, they did the communicator thing, though, that apparently people have been complaining about. The. Well, how thing? everybody started speaking English once the communicator was in use. Yes, yeah. And they did at least start to detect something on the Klingon ship. I, I have mm -hmm. to give them kudos for that. They weren't just stupid Klingons. They did start to notice something was wrong. Oh, yeah. And they then went that's after, why... Yeah. They went after Tyler. And... They assumed it was Laurel who had escaped, so they sent people down there, and that's when Burnham had to act again because the stakes were raised, and they were either going to find the sensors or find Laurel, so... Or Tyler. And then I loved the beam-out sequence. Oh yeah, that was good. And I, I liked the uh, the fight with Cole. That was well done. Yeah, I have more medium feelings toward it. Okay. I at least liked it that she wasn't just like kicking his ass. Like he was obviously a pretty damn good warrior. And yeah. she didn't kill him in the battle. Oh, and this is where I had my big problem with him. Because he says to her while they're fighting that he's going to be like the big Klingon emperor. While his whole shtick was that he was bringing everybody together for the war, and then afterwards they were all going to go back to their separate houses the proper way. That was his whole anti-Tukovma thing. I don't remember that from the beginning. But it, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if this is just him changing his mind now that he has a taste of power? Maybe. I just... Or, or I was going to say, or if it's just inconsistent writing. Yeah. Uh, either way, we didn't see him have a change of heart. We just no, we see him go from being... What, what is White Klingon's name he took over after Tukuma? Vok. Vok, right. So we just saw him, you know, kill Vok. Or not kill, no. Sorry, let me get my thoughts together here. When he comes in to take over from Vok, he does say that Tukuma's teachings were wrong about uniting the Klingon houses. And then gets rid of Vok... Mm -hmm. But now he's all, I am supreme Klingon emperor. Everybody right. will swear loyalty to me. I guess he right. has had people swearing loyalty to him. I don't know what's going on with him is what I'm saying. But I guess he's yeah. dead now. Yay. Yay. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a rewatch to sort of get 
everything straight about who said what and what their what their stance was at the beginning and then track them through to the end. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was really happy with him being dead and mm-hmm. Burnham getting Georgiou's tag back. Whatever. ID thingy? Yeah. Her com... Or, well, it's, I guess it's not a com badge. Her insignia? Yeah. Her badge? I, I can't remember the correct term for it in this one. But I really liked that they put the names on the backs of them. Mm-hmm. I just... That's never been a thing in a Star Trek show before that I've seen. And it kind of keeps it in a military tradition of having, like, dog tags that get returned and things like that. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I really liked it. And I really, really liked that they had, uh, back on the ship, they had Burnham and Suru sort of together watching the destruction of the ship. I thought that was, that was well done. Yeah. Yeah, and they had a quiet sort of, I can't remember where exactly they had it, but there was sort of a quiet nod between Saru and Burnham. I think they were on the bridge. Yeah. Going back in time a bit, I liked mm-hmm. as well how the Admiral was interacting with Tyler during his mm-hmm. PTSD. Because, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that did pretty much confirm the theory about her being that lethe person, I thought. Possibly, yeah. But, and then I also liked it because, yeah, she does have training in psychology. And mm-hmm. so... It was nice to see her actually helping through there. So yeah, so I liked how the Admiral got to be useful, even though she couldn't walk and was stuck there and injured. Mm-hmm. And that she was... I don't know. I, I, I like her. She's smart and capable. And yes. They didn't take that away from her, which is always nice. Yes. Yes. That's a great point. They didn't make her a prisoner, and then all of a sudden she's useless. Mm-hmm. And I do like that we had some consequences for Tyler, but that's all wrapped up in other stuff now, so I'm not mm-hmm. even that worried about it. Mm-hmm. I liked the actors acting through this, mm-hmm. but it was kind of the first hint of any of his PTSD that we'd seen. Yeah. So, like, it was well acted, but I don't necessarily think that it was consistent with his character on the ship. But this is also me talking with zero experience in actual PTSD, so I shouldn't really be saying how it should look realistically. I don't think it's actual PTSD for the character. Okay. You think it's something else? Yeah, because of whatever... Because of the... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've stuck to this whole idea of not talking about the theory while talking about the main parts of the episode, but because of the other stuff going on with him. Yes. Right? So I don't think it's traditional PTSD. That's fair. Now, while all this is going on, Mm -hmm. back on the ship, we have Stamets doing all of these jumps. Mm -hmm. And again, I think Anthony Rapp is an amazing actor. I was so afraid that they were going to kill him off. Oh, they can't do that. Is that... I won't let it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, (laughs) do you know something about his contract? Because I'd be okay with that. Um, No, I don't think that they would kill him off. I think that he is a main character. He's here to stay, at least to the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I will be very mad if they do the whole, like... Hey, gay hup- gay couple and some tragedy and death. Because that's kind of a, a bit of a trope. That's very true. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just like, please don't kill him. I really like him. Yeah. And he had back to, like, his character felt a bit like early seasons to Mets here again. Mm-hmm. He had his, like, snarkiness and his, like, I'm the chief engineer and I'm going to, like, look at you. And, like, when he gives Tilly that scathing look after she slips up. Yeah. I was like, oh, we haven't seen that since since when Burnham came on board and he was all mad. I do like their relationship, Stamets and, and Tilly. I think they're fun. Yeah. I thought the scene with Stamets and Culber right before he goes in mm-hmm. was excellent. Yes. 
I, also, I thought... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I also really liked it. I thought it was really, like, I just thought it was really well done on both of them. The writing and the acting was very good there. Yes. Yeah. And then they even had, like, the scene where Culver has to start medical interventions and he's standing at the glass and just feeling helpless and scared. And mm-hmm. and that's when Stamets has the line about the clearing in the forest. I completely missed that. Well, you'll just have to rewatch it. I guess I will. Yeah. I feel like I missed a lot in this episode, too. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't remember him I talking just... at all during the jumps, so much as just making unintelligent mumblings. I was watching with the um, general uh, captions on. Oh. So I think for that part, I catch a lot of it. And it occurred to me that may have been why I missed the Tribble in the last episode as well. Actually, yeah, that would make sense because it would have been right under the the captions. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's probably right under where those closed captions sit. So, but anyways, I... I want to rewatch it because I'm sure I missed a lot. I'm so sure of it. In all the episodes, I'm kind of wanting to see if I can get time to just like do a couple binge sessions and go back to back through all of them. Well, we've got some time before the next episode. Over a month. This is true. I'm just looking up the date now for that. January 7th. Well, that's not too bad, actually. Mm. I was worried that it was going to be, like, the end of January. Yeah, I was kind of concerned about that, too. But I think it wraps up by the end of February. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Because there's only, like, five five or six episodes. I can't remember. Well, then. Now, back to the episode. Yes, sorry. What did you think of the ending? Like, so they come back to the ship. Mm -hmm. They beam back. Then they are launching all these photon photon torpedoes. Mm -hmm. The ship gets destroyed. Destroy the ship. Yay. And then there was a lot more that happened after that. I actually paused it at one point when they were all Mm -hmm. sort of having their post-battle talks. And I was like, there's Mm -hmm. still ten minutes left. What's going to happen? (laughs) I was very worried at that point. Yeah, I was, that pacing felt a little bit off. Like, it felt like there was, like, a little too much after what seemed to be the conf- the um, the climax. See, I guess because I paused it, I kind of liked it because I was still just like, what's going to happen? Like, you know? Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so they have the end. They have the chat with the Admiral. They're calling back Discovery. They mentioned that the Admiral... Cornwell is on her way to her medical facility to be treated. Mm-hmm. Then Burnham goes to see Tyler. And they have their romantic moment. And then they have that neat kiss and then they zoom to... And it ends up like zooming out a couple times and then mm-hmm. goes to Stamets. Mm-hmm. And then Lorca asks Stamets for one more jump. Yeah, I I really liked that bit between them and how, I mean, Smith was stupid for doing even one more, but I do like how he was all, and that's that, and I'm done, not doing it anymore. Yeah, and Lorca seemed to take it well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that there, but we'll get back to that. Oh, we will? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then we jump back to Tyler. Having his mm-hmm. crazy Klingon sex dream. Yeah, which was weird. Yeah. And I thought was... Well, I mean, it was done fast enough and choppy enough. At least it wasn't like a a slow, you know... Anyway. It, it wasn't, like, framed as being romantic? Yes, exactly. It wasn't framed as being romantic or yeah. as male gazy. Yes, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Because, I mean, Star Trek's been pretty bad about taking some things in other shows and making them 
very much male gaze oriented. Mm-mm. Like part of Enterprise was they had to like decontaminate and they had this decontaminating gel. So pe- they'd come back from an away mission and they're in a quarantine room, basically in underwear, and would have to like mm-hmm. rub each other down with this shiny substance. And it was often like, let's have a scene there where they're talking and rubbing each other. And it was just like, right. Yeah. They're... <laughs> so at least it wasn't that kind of thing where, hey, we get to yeah. throw in a sex scene. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. It's still, like, because at that point, we hadn't really gotten, I mean, I don't know, watching any sort of unconsensual sex type scene just makes me uncomfortable. So, I was not a yes, fan of there, it. There was also that aspect of it, was that, you know, this was not, I mean, he says to Burnham that he used the situation to his advantage but he was a prisoner there was no consent option there yeah yeah absolutely and other like so i guess we shouldn't be calling it i was gonna say we shouldn't be calling this a sex scene it should be called a rape scene well yeah and so that just doesn't make me comfortable or it makes me very uncomfortable and um Mm -hmm. otherwise i'd be all about like oh look naked klingons let's examine this Right. Like, how human did they make them? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh. They, in other s- series, because they have Worf, who was mm-hmm. raised with humans mm-hmm. and interacts with humans and gets married to a different species. So they talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And getting a chance to see more of it would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and they've had a few sexy Klingon ladies, too. In the other episodes. I can't imagine that. Just because the ones in, in, in this, in Discovery, are so warriors, like men. I can't imagine. Well, like, are they scantily clad sexy ladies? Oh, they have a boob window. I'm sure you remember seen them. them. Yes, okay. Sorry. I guess maybe I just didn't take note of these things as a child, really. Yeah. Yeah, so I... Okay, so with the Klingon redesign, I still generally dislike it. Um... It was actually funny because I wasn't done watching it when my husband came home last night. He was out very late and Mm -hmm. he comes in and he hasn't seen really anything of Discovery. And he looks and he's like, so that's the Klingon redesign? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't get me started on that because I still am not a huge fan of it. But I will say at least they didn't make the Klingon women have stupid boob windows and other things. They're pretty much dressed like the Klingon men. Yeah. So... That's the silver lining on the Klingon redesign for me. I still really like it. I know. That's fine. I mean, continuity aside. The continuity kind of, like, I don't know, that kind of bothers me, but that aside, I still really like it. Yeah. Now, Tyler goes to see Laurel Mm -hmm. and the Brig. Mm -hmm. And my only thought is, like, why is there no guard there? To maybe say, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can think of a couple of different reasons, but... Or, like, a couple of different explanations that would work, but... That's fair. Yeah. I mean, the the most obvious being, it's a science ship. There's mostly scientists on board. Or, like, there was a guard further out, and he just lied to him about where he's going, because he is the security dude. Right? Well, that's true. And I guess there would be a conflict there where it's like... Yeah, there's this person who there's possibly a bit of Stockholm Syndrome history with, but you're the chief of security and yeah. in charge of her detainment. Anyway. And also he would probably outrank the guard and that sort of thing. But really what it comes down to is the show needed him to go and see her. Yes. And then she says, she'll never let them hurt you. Mm-hmm. Which just leads into a lot of the fan theory stuff even yes. more. I, I felt so did a lot of the torture flashbacks because they yeah. were very I don't know, they, I was they were even, very oh, sorry, you go. Okay. I was reading online this morning on the unofficial fan page and somebody said that they thought they caught a glimpse of him like a different Klingon body 
in some of the flashback sequences. Okay. And so he thinks that the flashbacks may have been, again, like what we were saying, fan theory stuff. We can talk about that more later. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, so Laurel has this nice vague line. I like that it wasn't too clear. It could mean many different things. And then we go to Stamets preparing for his last jump. I and... I just have to say, no, no, I'll say it later. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Remind me about okay. that later. Sure. Then we go to the last jump. Stamets and Culber make the plans for their date night. Which was very sweet. They get a kiss. Yes. And then basically the shit hits the fan. And they have yeah. navigational error and they wind up who knows where? And this is where they leave us. Okay. Where do you hope they are? I am pretty sure this jumps them to the mirror universe. That's what I was thinking also. I will be extremely surprised. They kind of set it up. Mm-hmm. Like when Lorca was showing Stamets all of the data he'd been gathering. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, there's like infinite possible, you know, other spaces here. And and now here's going to be a little bombshell for you, Kate. Okay. I think Lorca sabotaged the jump. What do you think? Why? Like what evidence? What evidence? So... When he's receiving Stamets' news of retiring from the spore drive, he takes it a little too well. Like, here's his pet project, this Mm -hmm. incredible new science that he's incredibly excited about all the possible journeys they could continue on. And Mm -hmm. the only person who can really do that is like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he goes, oh, okay. Sure. I agree with you there, but sorry, I I meant, did you pick up on any, like, physical evidence in the episode that I missed? Because I miss things. Okay. There was... Okay, so, before the jump, Mm -hmm. Lorca's sitting down in his chair, and he has a little console where he's punching things in. And somebody online took some screenshots of it, close up. He... Selects encryption. Mm-hmm. He selects navigation. And that's like the last two things he does before the jump. Mm. Okay. Like, I, I absolutely would not hold it past him for to doing yeah. this. I just didn't personally pick up on anything other than he did take it quite well. When My other thing no. is that they do this right after. They're like, oh, yeah, the admiral, you know, the one who was like, I'm going to take Discovery away from you that he thought was dead is not dead. And now they're being called back to have, like, meetings. Yeah. That's that's also a good point. So, yeah, I think he... I think he may have had a hand in... My one thing about that, though, is that he suggested they work back. Like, Lorca said... In the meeting with Stamets, yeah. Yeah. So he was sort of counting on the fact that Smiths would offer to jump. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this was just like a really bad impulse that he acted on last yeah, minute. Maybe. Like like it wasn't a plan. He just all of a sudden was like, no. Yeah. And then he overrode where Stamets was going to go, which is partly what has caused this problem with Stamets. What a shit thing to do if it if he did. Yeah. So like I said, Lorca seemed really good in this episode. But then when I started thinking about this, I was like, but he's still a bastard. If he did it, it honestly, I could see yeah. it go the other way too. Of like it just being too much for Stamets. Yeah. And like I wouldn't have caught what Lorca was typing on that thing. If I hadn't scrolled past the screenshots on the mm-hmm. the fan page, like I right. didn't actually, it wasn't obvious. However, I mean, at this point, they wouldn't want it to be obvious. Yeah, I don't know. But I really like thinking about it and seeing where it's going to go. And the crew might not even ever find out. Well, I don't think they would have him do it and never have anybody find out. Yeah, but I don't think they would find out for a long time. 
That's interesting, because what will everybody do if they find out or think if they find out? And so, yeah, so I definitely think they're in the Mirror Universe. I like Mirror Universe also, or time travel. Yeah, I don't think that they would do time travel, but definitely Mirror Universe. They just kind of set up Mirror Universe, so. Yeah. This leads nicely, because one of our listeners sent us a question. It was Mm -hmm. Matthew, and... uh, so, from at Matthew Vose on Twitter, he says, Where are they? Is this the whole setup for season one, part two, and beyond? Does this explain how the cloaking detection doesn't make it to Starfleet? Does Tomet's hate opera in general, or just Laboem? So, do you have anything I mean, else to address for his other questions? I sort of have an answer for the Laboem thing. That's a that's a Rent uh, reference, because Rent is like a modern day Laboem. So, that's yep. why they had him say that. Yeah, I was hoping you would put that in there. Oh, I was so happy when he was talking about Lava Wham, and I was like, yay! Yeah, that a was nice, nice reference to Rent, and, and Anthony Rapp was in mm-hmm. the movie version of Rent? He was in the original Broadway and the movie. And the movie, okay. Or off-Broadway? He was in the original opening of Rent and the movie. They got most of the original mm-hmm. cast back for the movie. Oh, I didn't know they did the, most of the original cast for the movie. Yeah, everybody except one of the main characters was the original cast. I've never seen the movie version. So. Huh. I, I'm i a big musical theater nerd, so. Oh, yeah. Now, do do we think this is going to be what the second half of the season is exploring? Must be. Uh, I say that as gonna... there... Sorry, there's a teaser for the next season. Oh, okay. For season two or the next yeah. half? Or the for the next oh. half. That was literally about them being, oh, where are we? What's going on? Yeah. I think they might do one mirror episode thing, and then I think they're going to get back to the regular space that they should be in. Really? I don't don't know. I think so. I think think that the Klingon War might not fully be done yet. See, I got more of a feel of they're going to be stuck there for the rest of the season, and then... When they come back, they're going to see what's happened with the whole war thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see which one of us is right. Mm-hmm. And then, does this explain how the cloaking detection doesn't make it back to Starfleet? Does it not? Do we, do we know that for sure? Well, in the future timeline, the Klingons can cloak, mm-hmm. and Starfleet can't detect them. But there's also issues with the Klingons having cloaking technology at this point in the timeline anyways. Because it was brought up in another Star Trek how the Klingons got cloaking technology from the Romulans. Oh. It may be that um, like Starfleet makes this cloaking um, obsolete so they get different cloaking. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking that science. The science data makes it so that oh, now the cloak you developed can't be used. Mm -hmm. Or maybe something like, oh, we're at peace now. We don't need to detect them when they're cloaking, so we won't outfit our new ships with that. That sounds naive, but... A little bit. Especially because then when they start to have hostilities with them, they don't just resurrect the science at that point. Yeah. But the different types of cloaking might might be accurate. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be that all the Klingon ships, like the sarcophagus ship was the original one that had the cloaking technology. So it might just be that the Klingons haven't had a chance to really understand the science of it yet. And when all of their cloaks get destroyed, it's done. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. will be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yes. So do you have anything else to say about the episode? Because there was something else you were going to jump in with. I was oh, told no, to remind I'm... you of this. When we talk about the fan theory, sorry. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So should we, should I reveal this week's fortune cookie? Yes, fortune it up. Okay. I swear I am not picking these on purpose. Mm-hmm. But the fortune is make use of whatever advanced technology is available. <coughs> yeah. 
I guess that's Lurka. I guess so. A pretty obvious one this week. Uh, before we get into fan theories, do you have any recommendations this week? I just finished watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It was really good. Ooh, I've heard good things. And I put off watching it for years because I liked the original so much. But I did just did just finish mm. it, and it was very good. Hmm. Oh, I guess I could recommend the TV show I'm watching when mm-hmm. I'm not watching Star Trek, which is mm-hmm. Orphan Black. Did I've I heard good things that about already? that. No, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Anyway, I've heard really good things. So yeah, really good. I'm almost finished. I've got one more season left to go. It's really good. I have been meaning to watch that one. It's finished, right? Yes. Yeah. That's part of why I started it, because I was like, oh, okay, it's only... And the seasons are only like 10 episodes long. Mm-hmm. So it's a very fixed commitment. That sounds nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Did we want to... Okay, so before we jump into fan theories and potential spoilers, which, I'm sorry, we already kind of did some potential spoilers earlier in the show, and me having that whole Lorca potential sabotage thing may have spoiled some things for people. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Um, But don't forget that... (laughs) Let me do that again. Don't forget that if you're enjoying the podcast, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to us on Twitter at command of her own or email us at commandofherown at gmail.com. Okay. Now we can talk spoilers. Okay. So the, the thing I was going to say earlier was just that I think it would be hilarious if after all this, like, you know, what was the line the girl had? The ambiguous one? I'll make sure they don't hurt you or whatever. Um, yeah, where is it? Uh, like, it would just, or, or that's the gist of it. It would just be hilarious if she meant mm. the Klingons and she was there to keep him safe from Klingons and that he is just a normal <laughs> human. I was just going to say that. I don't know. I think it would be hilarious after all that. And I oh, like, that. I do like that they kept it ambiguous that way. Yeah, yeah. We'll never let them hurt you. Yeah. I, I do like that because she had already wanted to defect with the Admiral. Mm-hmm. And this lends it more to the fact that, yes, she would want to leave. Although that's still a huge jump for her character. Yeah, I still don't think, I don't think that's what it is. I definitely think mm-hmm. that he is a Klingon. Um, especially with everything that happened in this episode. I just think it'd be hilarious if that turned out to be the case. Yeah, she, even if he is, even if Ash is Vok, it might still be the case that... She is talking about protecting him from the Klingons because, I mean, they need to wipe out this group of Klingons in order to unite the Klingons under their philosophy. Yeah, I guess she doesn't necessarily know that they killed the ship, that they destroyed the ship. Yeah. With the big dude on it. Words. You know. Cole. Cole. Thank you. (laughs) Words, names, species, they just escape you sometimes. Yes, they do. Also, the other fan theory that I mentioned last week about the Admiral being Lethe, mm-hmm. after we recorded, I had read somebody somewhere that um, the actress had said, no, no, her character's dead. Like, she's not going to be on the show anymore. She was pretty sure she wasn't coming back. And so I was like, oh, that means that she must be dead. And so I was very surprised to see her alive in this show. So I'm not sure if... It was just after this episode we don't see her anymore? Or the person got it wrong? Maybe she dies later on and she accidentally spoiled that for us? That could be. Probably not. And it, and again, this is just memory and, uh, you know, secondhand knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that... I guess that one doesn't really... Um, in, I was going to say infect... Uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. It doesn't really... That one doesn't really change the plot of Discovery. Yeah, that's kind of the... That's what I'm going for, but what is the word I am looking for? Impact? Yes. Sure, that works. 
impact. It, it doesn't really change the direct the the trajectory of the plot. Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting aside, I suppose. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how this whole Ash being uh, a Klingon thing plays out in what is probably the Mirror Universe. Yes. Well, I don't, like, I think that the Mirror Universe thing is just going mm-hmm. to forestall the revelation that Ash is Vok. Like, I think it might not be to the end of season one. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. But I think, like, again, I think that they're going to spend more than one episode. Right. Sort of oh, that's true. To get back. Because as soon as they get back, like, then they're going to have to go and deal with all of Lorca's stuff, and that kind of would stop them from having any more adventures. But they, they might bring something back from the Mirror Universe, a piece of advanced technology that helps the war effort that, again, forestalls Lorca from facing the consequences of his actions. Maybe. I just get the feeling that it's going to be more than one episode. Like, I would personally be disappointed if it was only one episode after all that build-up. But that's me. I think Jonathan Frakes is directing. The next one? Yeah, he was the person who originally leaked and confirmed that there would be a Mirror episode. Oh, okay. A a thing in the Mirror universe. Because I think it was the one that he was the director on. Which is cool. Uh, He's got... um, He's directed a number of Star Trek episodes. I think he directed one of the Star Trek Next Gen movies. Oh, okay. Maybe. Maybe misremembering entirely again, but... He's definitely done several episodes of... Star Trek direction. Okay, cool. It doesn't, um, the Wikipedia page doesn't have it listed yet. Just as to be. Who the director is for the next one? The director or writer. I wonder if IMDb does. Uh, ah, Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. Although, I never know how to read IMDb stuff because, like, it says the writers of that episode are Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, so. The writing is always interesting because all of them have Gene Roddenberry, Brian Fuller, and Alex Kurtzman. But Alex Kurtzman and Brian Fuller get the created by. And then there's often another writer or a team of writers who are the episode writers. And sometimes there's also staff writers who may have done like small parts of the writing or, you know. Or, like, come up with the story, but then somebody else wrote the episode or whatever. That's right. Yeah. So, who knows? But, yeah. So, this episode really gave us a lot of hints that Ash is Vok. It did. I liked it. A lot. Did you? How are you feeling about this? I'm... Okay, wait. Different question. Hmm. Okay. Are you holding on to not wanting this to be the case because you genuinely don't want it to be, or just like sheer stubbornness at this point? <laughs> it may be a little sheer stubbornness at this point. Okay. Um, I don't want it to be true, and therefore I'm thinking of every possible other explanation for it not to be true. But like, do you really not want it to be true? Well, mm, it's complicated. There's layers. There's the whole thing of like not wanting to have okay let me put my thoughts together on this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I just don't like that whole plot device I think okay. especially not when carried out on when carried out in this instance it, it might just be that Star Trek hasn't done this that it's reminding me of other shows where like Battlestar Galactica where it's like oh this person's actually a Cylon oh that person's actually a Cylon so it might just be that I got a little tired of that and then also not knowing legitimately how it's going to play out so like Ash remembers he's Vok and then all of a sudden what yeah no but I like not knowing how that's going to play out Right, I just, all the scenarios I keep thinking of 
aren't ones that I might enjoy. But anyways, we'll see what happens. Kate's I predicting that Ashes. Yeah, you're predicting Ashes Vok. I'm also pretty sure that that's what the show's doing at this point. And do you think he's going to help, like, negotiate peace? Well, now we don't really know where things stand on the war effort, and we might not for a couple episodes. So that's hard to say, but I'd like that to be the case. I think that that as sort of, like, the ultimate getting along of humans and Klingons it is really the only reason to do this. Other than just I, torturing your characters. Right. Okay, so I enjoy the concept of peace. I do. My problem is that Vok and Lorel were so adamant at not letting the Federation infect their culture and dilute their culture that it would seem to be a huge step backwards for them. Now, the only thing I could think of that might make it better is that, okay, they jump to the mirror universe, they spend some time there. Ash gets revealed at some point there, or shortly after, returning to the normal universe, but that the Federation has been so successful in the Klingon War that when Vogue realizes things and can step into power, he realizes that there's no way the Klingons can beat Starfleet. And that they only have the choice of peace and retreat. Okay, or, see, I, I like how you think of it as a very, again, a word, like um, like a very logical uh, point A to point B type of thing, where I'm more like, if they don't reveal to the end of this season-ish that Ash mm -hmm. is Vok, then let's say they they come back to this universe Somehow, Vok and Lorel go on their own way and the war continues, but suddenly they're at a forepoint of a war that maybe he's not feeling as strongly as he was before and he has to deal with all of his emotions about that. But, like, could he then fire on the discovery afterwards? Because he wouldn't... I'm not thinking he would necessarily be, oh, right, I'm a Klingon. Oh, we need peace. It would be more like, oh, I'm a Klingon. Klingon, screw all you guys. I'm going back to being a Klingon. But then as a Klingon, where he has more time to reflect on everything... And then is put back into situations where he's to fire on his previous friends. Like, could he do that? It would be interesting to explore that. That's true. Do you think those feelings would extend beyond the crew of the Discovery? I don't know. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need him to come out a good guy at the end. Like, he could be killing other humans and then suddenly can't kill the discovery that's true although with the latest episode events like Cole was uniting the Klingons it'll be interesting to see if somebody else in his house steps up or if the Klingons devolve back into infighting and internal politics and the war sort of fizzles out Maybe, yeah. But it would also... Like, or, we don't know how much of his house was on the ship. True. And then also, like, it could also just... Like, Vok is revealed. He tries to... He tries to pick things up. And... Then... But sort of like what you said, you know, things are in chaos. Vok comes back, takes over again. Mm -hmm. And then finds that he can't fight against the Discovery. Yeah, and that I would picture for, like, season two stuff. Like, I don't want that to happen this season. Right. Though they have been pretty clear that the war will be wrapped up by the end of season one. Oh. Well, but, I mean, there could still be, like, posh. politics. Like, you know, run-ins with the Klingons that are not explicitly while they're at war. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess we shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall find out. So, do we have anything else to s talk about for this? I don't think so. I mean, I do really want him to be a Klingon, but like I was saying earlier, I, 
I would think it would be hilarious if somehow they write this that he's not a Klingon. Like, I wouldn't be disappointed. That would be... I feel like that would be even more of a twist at this point. At least it would be one of the best reasons ever for, like, a Star Trek romance not to happen. If he is a Klingon? Yeah. Yeah. Because clearly they're not conflicted by being on the ship together and things like that. I'm curious as to how hand-wavy we're going to have to be if the war ends at the end of season one. And they're just then like, oh, yeah, Michael Burnham, like, the war is over that you started. So we're just going to let you continue your life sentence as the science officer on the ship. I'm sure they'll come up with something. Or I know. Hopefully it won't be that bad. But I mean, she's brought it up to to Tyler a couple times, where it's like, you know, you get to, after the war, you get to live your life the way it should be. And I'm probably going back to prison. So, I can totally we'll see them giving her a pardon for all of her war, for all of her, like, efforts and in the war and stuff, and her being like, no, 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 prison. <laughs> It yeah. seems like a very hard thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Should we? Yeah, I think we're good. Well, that's all we've got this week. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a command of her own at gmail.com or at command of her own on Twitter. And I'm just going to remind people once again that if they've got ideas, things they want to hear us talk about before January and the new sh- season starts airing, new season, new half season starts airing then please let us know. Get in touch. Yeah. We've got some fun things planned. Yeah. Should be fun. Yep. All right. See you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.